Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. It's my joy and privilege to speak to you on this Easter Sunday. Uh, Easter like none of us would ever dreamt of experiencing in our lifetime with so much sadness and unhappiness in the world around us and uh, it feels a little bit lame to be saying to you this morning happy Easter here's a picture of a bunny rabbit or even an Easter egg if we can find one and people haven't bumped up the prices so we're paying 50 pound for one Christians have for centuries celebrated Easter and it is my job this morning to help you whether you are a member of the church or whether you're a family friend or maybe a guest who's checking out the church for the first time to understand something of why Christians make so much of the Easter story. In fact you may have often wondered why Christians would call Friday Good Friday, when their hero, their saviour, actually died on that day? Well, I want to look at the Easter story this morning, and we're going to do so in the story of two carpenters. But before we do that, I wonder if you've ever been surprised by life. Some years ago, Heather and I took the family to Niagara Falls, and I think I'd seen photographs of it and imagined exactly what it would be like but taking out the boat in the morning the made in the mist and going underneath right to the very epicenter of where all those waterfalls converge I was shocked and surprised by how much life there was to be found there how much power how much greenery and spray and rainbows and fish and bird life it was an incredible experience to go to that place where rivers converge and so much life is found. Well, I believe that is something of what my job is this morning to try to describe to you and convince you of. And I thought perhaps one of the easiest ways to start so that everyone could understand something of this incredible joy would be to start with spring. And in spring, we all look forward to the first snowdrops, the first daffodils. I look forward to the first butterfly, usually a brimstone. And behind that butterfly is a story. And we've written a story or a poem about Henry, who was a caterpillar, who was surprised by life. And Heather has illustrated this and narrated this, and you and your children can nestle up and listen to this poem. Henry the Caterpillar. Henry was a caterpillar, or larva, he would say, born in London or thereabouts, not long past yesterday. His hair was long, his body yellow, his face was brown and mucky. In fact, it's only fair to say he really was quite yucky. Each morning he would climb a twig to try to find a friend, not Sid the spider nor Ladybird who drove him round the bend. Her little jibes, her unkind jokes, they hurt him, oh so deep. Hello ugly, what a mess, slimy little creep. 
The insects all would laugh at him and harshly pull his spikes. They all agreed his presence there was one thing they disliked. Alone, dejected, he crawled away and wept with all his might and prayed that God might notice him if he could bear the sight. And a whisper on the wind, your old life you must leave. A promised brand new Henry, a new life to receive. What hope? Then joy it filled his heart, he taps his twenty feet. Climbing high with hunger pain, green leaves begins to eat. In a week he has finished, his tummy fat increased. His jaw is now aching, but hunger pain has ceased. Instead, a deep drowsiness, Henry now gives a yawn, then digs deep in brown soil to escape from all harm. A black silky film replaced his old vest. He closes green eyes and dreams of what's next. Then wonder of wonders, Henry wakes from his night. Puffing and huffing, he heads for sunlight. Aching all over, Henry's back in a hunch. Climbing, he hides from a bird wanting lunch. And after some time, a minute and hour, four wings each pop open with new feeling of power. On each side, he sees colour, a wonderful sight. With a leap from his twig, a Henry's in flight. Flying over bramble, he greets Ladybird. Who, Henry with beauty? Now don't be absurd. It's me, you old doubter. I'm a brand new creation. A life without limits. It's called aviation. And this is the gospel. I hope you can see that Henry the Caterpillar is you and it's me. You join me in my workshop working with wood. I love working with wood, making things. And the Easter story is all about a carpenter who saved the world. But he wasn't the first carpenter to save the world. If you open your Bibles in the very first book of the Bible, you come across a man, a carpenter, a man who could chop and plane and make things out of wood. And on this particular day, God spoke to him and called him by name saying, Noah, I have a work for you to do. It's called a salvation work. I want you to build me a lifeboat. And Noah is quite handy with his tools. Said, sure God, give me the dimensions. God says it's 450 foot long, it's 75 foot wide, and 45 foot high. <laughs> oh, so that's, that's a big boat. And God said, yeah, because you're going to save the world. A day of judgment is coming, a day when I will unleash uh, waters from below and from above upon the earth because the people in the earth have turned from me and turned to every kind of wickedness. And so Noah was obedient. He started working. Every day he would work with his wood, every day with his family. He would chop some more and saw some more. And in the mornings he would preach. He would stand before crowds and warn them and tell them that a day of judgment was coming and they needed to get ready, be prepared. And he ridiculed and they mocked. And they carried on in their godless lifestyle, in their idolatry. I said, Noah spent his life building, 
building this huge boat. And then came the day when Noah stood upon the bow of the ark and said to the people who were assembled, it is finished. Come now is the day of salvation. Now is the day to come aboard, along with all the animals that God is sending. Come and save yourself. And they laughed and they ridiculed and they turned away and God closed the door. And it was then they felt the very first raindrops. It was then they began to question. It was then that the water started to rise and there were floods and they suddenly realised that their whole life had been built upon selfishness and sin. But now it was too late. And on board the boat was a man and his family and underneath those judgment waters was the promise of a new earth, a new life, a new start, a fresh start for Noah and mankind. You know, as we live in such perilous times, I look back at the last 10 or 20 years and I can't remember a time when we in the West have so ridiculed God, so mocked God, so torn down his laws and statues, things like marriage and things like sexuality. We've ripped up the rule We've followed all kinds of idolatry, whether it's sports idolatry, fashion idolatry. We've lived with this quest of more and more. We're insatiable appetites and a refusal to know God. In fact, an anti-God feeling where books are written that we don't need God and there is a God delusion. And now in the midst of this terrible, terrible virus which is spreading and jumping oceans and jumping national boundaries, people are beginning to ask the biggest questions in life. People are beginning to ask, what is my life about? It's ironic in many ways that for the first time in many people's lives, they're asking the question of death. They're almost acting as if they're surprised that human beings die. But the answer to their questions is found in the Easter message. And the answer to the Easter question is to look at another carpenter, one who gave his life on a cross. So let's now look at the second carpenter, a carpenter who turned preacher, itinerant preacher for three years, a, many, a man who many agree was the world's greatest leader, perhaps the world's greatest teacher, some would say. And look at his life and find out those people who were surprised by life they found in Jesus. We can remember the story of a blind man never seeing the light of day and never hoping for any other outcome but when he touched Jesus he was surprised to find that he could see again or a deaf man who'd never heard the words I love you from a parent or a loved one and in his deepest despair touched Jesus and found he could hear again or a funeral procession a mum with a son who had died walking behind the coffin 
and encountering Jesus and Jesus going up to the coffin, touching it and calling the young man back to life. Everyone surprised by life. And Jesus claimed to be Israel's king. Jesus claimed to be the promised Messiah, the one the scriptures talked about. He claimed to be the saviour of the world. The words most famously recorded that we have often repeated throughout centuries is John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him would never perish, but receive everlasting life. And Jesus called and cried out to anyone who would call to him. If anyone was thirsty, they could come to him and drink his eternal life. But it is this same Jesus who is betrayed by his own disciples, rejected by the Jewish religious leaders, the one that crowds loved now mocked, the one who was handed over to Roman brutality. Seven inch nails would be driven through Jesus's palms. They beat his back until it resembled a ploughed field. They mocked him. They robed him. They battered his face with a rod again and again until his face was swollen and bloodied. And it was this Jesus who was condemned to death and called to carry his crossbeam to the place of execution called Golgotha. And there he was crucified between two criminals and lifted up before a mocking world. And you heard in the reading that the two criminals, one either side of him, in their agony, join in the mockery. What is it with you then, Jesus? Carpentry didn't work out too well. Well, neither's messiahship. You, saved, you said you could save the world, you can't even save us, you can't even save yourself. What sort of Messiah are you? Do you honestly think you're the king of the Jews? You're not even king of Golgotha. God doesn't seem to be too pleased with you if he lets you get handed over to be killed. What a joke, what a Messiah. Jesus endured the crowds, endured the criminals and then darkness three hours of darkness covered the earth three hours where creation seems to hold its breath and then when the light appeared again jesus cries out in a loud voice my god my god why have you forsaken me and as one criminal looked at him he suddenly had a moment realization. This wasn't the cry, the final cry of a carpenter, defeated or fearful. This was the majestic cry of a fearless warrior just about to go in to battle towards his fiercest enemy. And so this thief turns to Jesus and says to Jesus, Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, this day, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus turns his bloody brow towards the thief and he said, 
Today, this very day, you will be with me in paradise. And then, at the end of it all, Jesus heaves himself up one last time, one last gasp, and yells to the crowd, to the world, it is finished. Salvation's work done. And he breathed his last. It would appear to the onlooker that death had won again. Death would now take its normal course. A centurion plunges a spear into Jesus's side. His body is taken off a cross. It is wrapped in burial clothes. It is placed in a tomb with guards to guard it to make sure no disciples get up to any trickery. Death has seems to have the final word. It's rest in peace, Jesus Christ. But the Bible says that three days later, three different people are going to be surprised by life. The first of the guards. On the Easter morning, there is an earthquake. The stone is rolled away and angels descend and the guards, surprised, are like statues. Didn't see this coming. We're told of women who were on their way, as they would normally do, to put spices upon the the dead body in the, in, the, in the shroud that surrounded the dead body and they encounter angels who say to them, why, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And surprised, they run back to tell their disciples and the disciples themselves, one after the other, believing all was lost, believing that Jesus had died, Jesus was a false hope encounter Jesus and of course the most famous one doubting Thomas who is the final one to encounter Jesus and Jesus says to him put your hand in my side look at my hands see where the nail holes have been Jesus was alive Jesus is alive Jesus has defeated sin and Satan upon that cross and he has risen from the dead and now his life this powerful God life beats all enemies, summons life from the dead and gives life to all those who would call on him. So let me conclude. There was one more guy in the Bible that was surprised by this life. His name was Saul that became Paul who wrote a large part of the New Testament. It was him who was persecuting the early church and it was him who encountered and was surprised by life on a road to Damascus as he encounters the risen Christ. And it was him who describes what it is to become a Christian. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says this, for Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. And Paul would write in Romans, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, on the name of Jesus, will be saved. Our nation is holding its breath. We're all holding our breath for the day we hear on our TV sets or, or radios a vaccine. And oh, what a glorious day of good news that will be. The Easter story tells of a much more important vaccine, a vaccine of sin. Christ's blood that was shed on a cross for the forgiveness of sins. He took his blood before the courts of heaven, the court of heaven, the judgment seat. 
and all heaven declared, he is worthy. He has made full penalty atonement for the sin of the world. And he has been given the name which is above every other name. So what about you this Easter? Do you feel the world around you broken? Do you feel the shadow of Corona that haunts you in your dreams or threatens your family? Have you ever messed up, ever wanted to start over, begin again? The Bible says this, makes this promise. He, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him and that he ever lives to pray for you. How do you begin this journey, this life? You pray and you may want to pray with me this Easter and you may want to pray along with these words I pray and make them your very own. Jesus, I bring my fear, my sorrow, my sin and my brokenness and ask you today to forgive me and rescue me. Thank you for your death for sin. Thank you, you, it was for me, you suffered and died. And today I put my trust in you and pray that you bring me into your family and you fill me with your gift of life and make me a new creation. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you wanna know more, do write to us at Westminster Chapel, do let us know. And may I wish you on behalf of Westminster Chapel a very blessed Easter. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.